This audio file comes from the Libri Ideas Library at www.libri-ideas-library.org. The library contains over 1,000 lectures and discussions which explore questions about the reality and relevance of Christianity. We ask you to respect the copyright for this audio file which belongs to Libri Fellowship. The file is for personal use to share with friends, family and colleagues, but please do not publish the material in any format or post it on a website without seeking permission from Libri Fellowship. Please note that views expressed in the lecture and discussion time do not necessarily represent the views of Libri Fellowship. All right, well, I'm Priscilla, and what can I say about myself? I um, am from originally from Ghana, born in Geneva. Um, I first heard about Libri in 2011, 2012, when I did a year um, at the then Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Um, and that's when I heard about Libri. When I was in the UK, learning that Libri was in Switzerland was interesting for me. I was like, all this time, this was in my country. But um, so, yeah, I've generally been interested in faith and um, the big questions for as long as I can remember. That's when I was introduced specific to Libri. But more broadly speaking, I do a lot of different things. I'm an audiologist. I came to the UK two years ago to do some modeling. I do some audiobook narrating. I um, do some life coaching, some speaking. So a lot of things, none of which really are related to this topic, but it's one that I found very interesting. And to answer Joel's question about what brought me there, uh, I think I'm going to expand on it within the talk. So. Um, I guess I'll just go into it. So here we are. So opinions are something that I feel are everywhere nowadays. Everybody has them. Everybody feels that they need to share them from the rooftops, shove them down your throat. And if you don't accept them, then they will post them on social media, for sure. It will be somewhere so that someone can record that you had an opinion and you shared it. And I think with the advent of that, we've become very good at butting heads with each other because someone has an opinion and we have the impression that our opinion, for whatever reason, matters more or needs to be heard louder. And in line with that has what I, we've created cancel culture, which I think has had a lot of different effects. Cancel culture basically says, if I don't agree with you, or if what you say offends me, then I will cancel you. I will shut down your influence. I will silence your voice in some way. I'll, I'll boycott. I, bo I will boycott you, essentially. And I think that cancel culture cuts down dialogue and discourse, and it breeds intimidation and insecurity. And it's fueled by fear, but it's also it also fuels fear. And 
as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, I think there are other ways for us to engage with each other. And in thinking about this, I came up with a little framework, <laughs> and, which I will share in a moment. And I don't think it's an easier way of engaging with each other, but I think that it's another way that I, don't worry. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> no problem. Um, but I think it's another way which uh, I'd like to discuss and I'd love to hear your opinions on. So it's one that I will share. But before I go there, I'd like us to just do, just humor me and think of one person, one person in the world that you know that you are deeply loved by. Someone that you really have no shadow of doubt, if there's one person in this world who loves me, it is this person. You might be married to them. You might have come out of their womb. They might have come out of the same womb as you, whatever it is. <laughs> if everybody could think of this one person, and then we will revisit this person later. Does everybody have that one person? Cool. I hope for everybody that at least one person comes to mind. So um, I'll share briefly one thing that brought this to mind. Oh, oh my. it's gone. <laughs> oh, it's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope it's me so that it cooperates. <laughs> but um, one, of, one of the, um, one situation in which I was thinking about this was I have a friend who is a lecturer in a university in the UK. And she is a Muslim, so she's very uh, involved in things that are going on in Palestine and Israel. And it's very close to her heart for obvious reasons. And as she was lecturing, because she lectures in international law, so very related to what's going on, she was telling her students about uh, some of the implications of what is what is happening with the war and some of her students were responding to her by saying well isn't what you're saying um, essentially anti-semitic and she was her response as she was telling me was no it's it's not anti-semitic to um, to highlight the reasons for you know why something is an injustice or not. Um, and this got me thinking, amongst other different scenarios, about what I'm about to share. Um, and essentially, what I was thinking is, whenever we interact with another person, there are, in my opinion, four ways we can engage with that other person. I'm calling this framework the love and agreement quadrant, okay? <laughs> because it sounds kind of fancy. <laughs> um, but really what it is, is there are two ways. So either you agree or you disagree, or you love, and what I believe is the opposite of love being fear. And hate being a subset of the fear part. But there are four ways to engage. And I'm going to start with 
what I believe is the easiest way to engage with someone. And that, does anyone want to take a guess where I started? Well, I probably would say love and agreement. Love and agreement, yes. <laughs> love and agreement. So love and agreement is when I love those with whom I agree. And this is the most natural thing to do. It's the most comfortable thing to do. It just feels great. I think it's relational bliss. I love you, you love me, happy family. That's what love and agreement is. Um, people who love us and agree with us make us feel that we're right, make us feel that our, all of our opinions are valid. It's, it's wonderful to get along and to agree. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the fact that Jesus talks about this and it doesn't he doesn't specifically talk about agreement here, but he talks about the fact that when we love those who love us, he says, well, what credit is, is it to you? Because even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. So whilst it's easy to have love and agreement, it's something that's universal in human nature that if it makes us feel good, then we're naturally going to draw towards it. So then, the second easiest thing to do um, was the opposite, fear and disagreement. And here I'm thinking of, as I was talking about how hate is that subset of fear, if I alienate those that don't agree with me, then that's the second easiest thing to do. I'm going to place a distance between you and myself, because that's an easy thing to do. I don't agree with, I don't know what I don't agree with. It could be, but it could be anything. So sometimes it's trivial things, and sometimes they're really important things. But I think we saw this during COVID. Are you, are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? And for some, it was a non-issue, and for others, it was a, a matter that ended relationships. Or politically, did you vote Trump or did you not vote Trump? Well, for some, maybe who live further away from it, they think, okay, well, I don't agree, but... And for others, it was a matter of ending a relationship or not. So this is the second category fear, and disagreement. I'd like to take a quick conversational break to just discuss, so alienating those who disagree with us, to just discuss a story or situation where you didn't see eye to eye with someone and what happened. You can go as deep or as shallow. It can be as shallow as like, I don't agree with people who, let me tell you something I don't agree with. I don't agree with people who put ketchup on rice and I don't agree with people who put ketchup on pizza. Those two things 
for me are things that I do not agree with. You know people? <laughs> I know people like that, yes, yes. <laughs> so I know, it's crazy, it's, it's out there. But you could go as deep or as shallow as you would like. Uh, but we, yeah, I'd say if we spend just five minutes discussing that and then we'll come back. I could see a lot of smiles, so I take it that you weren't disagreeing with the person in front of you, which is great, which is great. Um, does anyone want to share what they, what the, any of the things they were talking about? We might start with some arguments here. Oh, well, it's just, it's purely for information. I'm not going to, I'm, but, uh, yeah? Anyone? Sure. Yeah. I've had a few situations that have come up in the year um, surrounding J.K. Rowling um, oh. and uh, her her views on transgenderism and, and that sort of thing. And so mm. they've been in situations where it's often like we're not sitting down to have a conversation about gender, but somehow Harry Potter comes up, um, which then turns into J.K. Rowling and, and someone getting very upset about um, what she said about trans women and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and these are usually people who um, we're friends with but aren't Christians. Mm. Um, and so I know we disagree, but in those situ situations when they start speaking very freely and passionately, mm -hmm. I'm left thinking, do they not know that I disagree with them? Mm. Um, but the passion that they're speaking with makes me feel like, can I share with you that I disagree with you? Um, mm. And if you're willing to abandon J.K. Rowling, would you do the same to me? Oh. Wow. Well... Thank you for sharing that, because I think that this, what you shared really speaks to basically the next thing that I was gonna, that I was gonna talk about. So um, I think when we go into Q&A, I'd love to come back to that point because I think it's really relevant. Um, the next part, um, perhaps quite similar, was, I'm not sure if you heard of, but, uh, of this, but there's um, the Queen's former lady-in-waiting who was um, in a situation where, <laughs> thank you, you have the magic I, I, touch. I, I, I have the power. <laughs> um, who was, um, they were having a, a meeting at, the, at Buckingham Palace and there was a lady called Ngozi Fulani, who was being asked essentially where she was from, and uh, I think her answer was, I'm British, slash, I'm from Peckham, and um, the Lady Hussey's response was something along the lines of, I see we're going to have a difficult time getting you to tell us where you're from, or that kind of thing. Fast forward to um, Lady Hussey uh, stepping down from her role. And um, this whole situation, I guess I can, uh, I can only say it from my perspective in the way of how I experienced it. I was not there. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't think anyone really knows exactly the words that were used. But... What this made me think of was um, it's a situation where uh, uh, this 
lady, Lady Hussey, asked some questions and granted their questions that might be loaded for certain people, that might be loaded for people of color. But in asking those questions um, and what ensued after, what I found was the result was really after that people, so I see a lot of patients, patients would come and then I have, as I mentioned, I was born in Geneva. I look like I do, but I kind of sound like I'm from the U.S. And so people are like, so where, where, are, you, where are you from? But people would ask me and they'd be like, oh, I, I mean, I, like, where, I, 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 you know, as in like, are you from the U.S.? Are you, and I, I just wanted to say, you can ask me where I'm from. It's, it's okay. It's a valid question. I think it's, you know, it's just a... It's okay. And I guess what I was experiencing was the aftermath of a lot of fear that was, um, that was just spread from this one event. Um, and so there are aspects of the story I probably don't know, but I say that to segue into the third part, which is fear and agreement. And I put agreement in inverted commas because I think at this part is where because of the fear of someone's response to your disagreement, you really just say that you agree or you don't say anything at all or you let people think that you agree um, because you don't want to get canceled or you don't want to, you don't want people to um, have a response to you that is that uh, that is inaccurate in and what i what i mean by that is um what happened in this situation is that lady hussey stepped down from her role and what that implies is actually everything about that situation was wrong everything about that situation was racism everything about that situation was just complete insensitivity, which personally, again, I wasn't there. I don't think that's true. And I don't, and I think there are layers that will probably never be explored and conclusions that have been made because she stepped down, which perhaps could have been ironed out. Perhaps we could have seen the nuances if it wasn't just blanketed as, well, she just asked her where she was from, and she was clearly implying that she needed to go home to Nigeria. Well, that's not exactly what happened. But discourse was never had because we drew conclusions and there were headlines. And I think it was a really missed opportunity for um, maybe Ms. Fulani to say, um, is what you're trying to ask me where my name comes from? Because I have a name that doesn't sound like it's from this country. Or maybe to have to engage in a conversation that says, you know, it, seem, it feels a little frightening for me as a black person speaking to you to when you, when you say, well, where, where are your people from? I, I think that's what she asked. It feels a little frightening to me because actually I really identify being from this country because I was born here and I've always lived in London. So this feels like my country. Um, and that 
level of discourse and dialogue, I guess is maybe scary for both. Maybe Lady Hussey would have said something, but we don't know because that's not how it turned out. But I think it was a missed opportunity and I think it <coughs> affected so many people and had such a big ripple effect. And I'm not sure we learned as much as we could from it. And I, I bemoan that fact. Um, so fear and disagreement is falsely agreeing with those whom you fear or whose reaction you fear. Um, and I guess that's, to me, what the most harmful effect of cancel culture is. Whenever we hear about an event like that and then we're quick to say that, uh, well, Lady Hussey clearly had those kinds of intentions when we really don't know. Maybe she had good intentions, maybe she had mixed intentions. But we're not clear on that. What we can say is, here's the effects, here are some of the effects of the actions that she took or the things that she said. And maybe here's what we can learn from them. And maybe here's how it can be articulated in such a way that it's helpful the next time. Um, but when we're so scared of being canceled and we fuel, um, we fuel that cancel culture by basically say, by saying, well, now she needs to step down, um, what that does is no one, everyone is in fear of putting a, a foot wrong. Like I can't, I can't say that, or you can't say that because someone might be offended, or you can't say that because, well, um, it's insensitive. I think it's, um, I think what I find really hard is that there are words that are thrown around like, oh, well, this was a racist remark or she is a racist. That's a very big thing to say for something that um, really what you're saying is, I think someone who is a person of color um, is sensitive to something that you said. That makes it not pervasive, it's not everything, it's not all the time, but it's in this situation, there is something that you said that could have been, that could have caused this person harm. And when we're just quick to throw in those blank, blanket statements and to um, support a culture that will say, well, because you said that, you should step down. We're really breeding our own insecurity for that situation when we put a foot wrong, and we're like, well, what's going to happen to me now? Because if I put a foot wrong, I should be canceled, because that's the kind of, that's the kind of culture I'm supporting. So keeping it very light this evening. <laughs> Second point of discussion is um, have, you, have you ever found yourself remaining silent, conforming, or agreeing with something for fear of the consequences of disagreeing and what happened? Or you can discuss your thoughts on this Miss Bellani and um, Lady Hussey event. And, have you ever been in a similar position? 
five, ten minutes. Well, I hope you had some, some good discussions there, which we'll come back to at the end if we have time. Um, one of the things I was thinking about in terms of the different areas that we've looked at, so love and agreement, fear and agreement, fear and disagreement, um, is that I think they have one thing in common. They don't necessarily all do this all the time, but I think one of the common factors is that they create echo chambers because if everyone around you is who you love and they validate your opinion or the people who don't validate your opinion, you create walls between and uh, if you are such a frightful person that people can't tell you their opinion or you're, you don't tell your real opinion to the people that you're scared of uh, or whose opinions you're scared of, then everybody's just hearing what they hear on a pretty regular basis. And I'm not sure that's a very helpful or fruitful thing for us. But I'd like to come back to this uh, Black blanks. I'd like to come back to this grand screen. I'm not sure. Uh -huh. Back to that one person. Yes. Um, you don't have to share this, but I like to, as you think about that person, well, who it was, but why was it that person? Maybe something comes to mind. Maybe there's a particular event that you can look to and say, that's when I really knew that this person really loves me. Or maybe it's a string of events over time, or they developed, um, they repeatedly did something in which you knew I can trust this person, or this person really has my back. I'm not sure what the answer is. But I would like to propose that maybe they are in not the love and agreement, but I think when we think of these people, we tend to think, well, they are in the love and agreement category. And I think that they are more in the love and disagreement category because that's where, <laughs> that's where I think you really get the gold of relationships. And that's where you need courage and you need character and you need skills. You need everything that's worthwhile in life. Maybe that's an overstatement, but I'm going to stick with it. I think that everything that's worthwhile in life happens when you have love and when you have disagreement. Um, I think that those people um, whose love you're really sure of, I would suggest, or maybe I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether that's true or not, 
that they showed you that whether they agree with you or they disagree with you, they will love you. And I think it's only in that situation that you really know I'm genuinely loved. If, I, if I'm only loved when I say the things that you want me to say or that you agree with, I really have no information about whether you really love me. But if I know that you love me when you disagree or when, um, yeah, you, there's really a visceral disagreement, then I know that it takes char character to love me, that it takes courage to um, still not build walls um, despite of this disagreement. And also, the reality is that everyone that we know is in this category, and everyone that we love is in this category, because there is no one person under the sun with whom you agree completely, unless they're you. Sometimes you don't even agree with yourself. So, so really, anyone who is in the, fully in that top category anyway, you disagree with everyone on something, for sure. Um, I, I also think that what's profound about love and disagreement is that I think those people, that person that came to mind, I think that they show us a unique facet of the nature of God in that it says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I say that because God showed us in this, that bless you, God showed us in this, that though he disagreed with our sin, he in no way let that disagreement affect his love for us. They were entirely separate. And there is nowhere in the Bible that we see, well, God kind of agrees with sin. I think some things are pretty clear in the Bible and consistent. He doesn't agree with sin. But his love for us was not affected by that disagreement. And I think the people that come to mind really show us that aspect of the character of God, that love and disagreement can coexist. And when they do, there is something that speaks very deeply to what God is like. Um, one of the, I'll come back to that actually. So there are a couple of points that I wanted to make through this, that love and agreement are really not the same. <laughs> and that it's not, that love and approval are also not the same. That hate and sharing an opinion are also not the same. Hate and disagreement are not the same. Um, and there are different examples I could think of, the, of for this. One that comes to mind for the last one is um, in 2015, I went to visit a friend of mine who lived in New York. And this was in June. And I, as I touched down, uh, I think this was the day that the Supreme Court 
legalize gay marriage for the whole of the U.S. Or, and my friend, my friend's sister is, has a wife. So um, she, I touched down and the first message I received was her telling me the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage and with like all these party symbols. And I was like, well, that's very loaded. And um, I remember seeing her and having a conversation with her and basically saying, you know, I really love you. And this is also not something I can celebrate. And um, on that Sunday, she had said to me, because I was going to um, Brooklyn Tabernacle, which is a church in New York, and uh, they, the past, she had told me, I really want to come to church with you this Sunday. I was like, cool, come. And uh, the pastor was talking about a uh, ruling of the Supreme Court. And he had mentioned, well, what you're going to hear is that the church's stance is hate speech. It's not hate speech. It's actually speaking truth and love. And that's the example that came to mind about hate and disagreement not being the same. Um, becoming disagreeable. I think that the crux of this to me is that I, I think we would do well to make it our endeavor to become disagreeable without being disagreeable and without losing our love for the person that we're disagreeing with. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not a straightforward thing to do. I think even when you attempt to do that, you don't always determine how that attempt will be received, which is something that is always going to be out of your hand, how someone receives what you say. Um, but I think that it's a very worthwhile endeavor. Um, and one of the last things I wanted us to spend time doing is uh, to brainstorm on how to do that effectively. I mean, genuinely, I am pretty sure that there are tips that I want to take home and use the next time I have a disagreement with someone. Um, what I'd like to do is spend the next 10 minutes where you think the most cringeworthy situation <laughs> or disagreement. Um, and one thing that you can do in that situation that would be a solution or something I can do that is not like freeze and just hope that the ground swallows me up. Something else. That one is taken. You can't take that one. But something that shows my disagreement with you and my love for you are not mutually exclusive. They can coexist. So if we could spend 10 minutes and yeah, see how we can become disagreeable people. Do we have some...
fabulous solutions? Yes? No? Did you say it's a good question? Did someone say it's a good question? No? Well, what if you disagree I, with my suggestion? Huh? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll try it out and I'll give you feedback <laughs> if it worked. Um, well, this is kind of what I wanted to what I wanted to end on, and I know that we were gonna maybe do a Q&A, but really the point of, really the point of my talk was to say that I think that love and disagreement together are where you really find courage and character that leads to truth and transformation, and I think that that's the kind of love and relationship that we're really all looking for. Um, the kind that survives in disagreement, but actually, in my opinion, really thrives. So that's what I wanted to conclude with. And I think I'm handing over to Joe. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I will quickly hand it back to you. <laughs> well, we just had a good chance to discuss, so I think mm -hmm. in, a, in a way we probably were primed and... and uh, I'm sure there, there's so much to talk about. Thank you so much. It's really been great and so interesting, so wonderful to be able to talk throughout it and, and use your ideas. So if you're up for it, I, I'm, I'm, I say we, we open it up and see if we have some questions. Does anybody sure. have an initial question or thought? We can start, I'm sure, from this or something else in the talk as well. And, and I'll get out of the way. Peter, yeah. We were just making the observation about this. We were saying, I don't know if it's a cop out, but we were saying you have an opportunity to show someone that you're there for them across time, across the passage of time. Maybe that's one one way that you can try and maintain love in the face of disagreement. If you only have one encounter, one moment, that's a lot harder mm. in some ways because uh, you, know, you, you might you, know, you might try and it might be received poorly, you might never see the person again. Or, but if you have the opportunity to to show that. You're committed to them through time when something goes badly in their life and you show up or something mm. like that. You can that can help. That's what yeah. you're talking about, isn't it? Real marriage. That's what marriage is. You know. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. sure? Yeah, commitment yeah. over time. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the scenario that I shared with Jill was one where we were talking about exactly that. So I was saying. My, this is a safe space, this is my most cringeworthy situation, is um, in a situation where I have to call someone by a pronoun that they weren't born with over a repeated period of time. And it doesn't sit well with me, but um, the reason that it's the reason that I find it hard is because in most situations, you can have a conversation and you can show someone, this is me, this is what I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I want to get to know you as a person. But in this situation, before you've had the opportunity to do that, you probably will have to have referred to that person and it will become pretty evident that, well, this person doesn't, do they not want to use my pronouns? Do they, are they not accepting of the fact that I've made this choice? And so before you've even had the chance to show up for a person or to make, to establish a relationship, it's like you're 
you've been confronted with the fact that, well, you have to refer to them. And so you have to take a stance on something that's very personal, very important to them. And then it's like you're starting on a point of disagreement. And that's where I was like, I'm just, I'm stuck. Yeah. Anyone have a solution to that? <laughs> yeah. I think that that's it is it's, it's it's just interesting, and I feel like there's so many areas in society where where we are, and maybe that's why we're especially mediated spaces like online mm -hmm. and, and news where we're just meeting on a topic, or a, you know, there's so little space for prolonged relational building mm -hmm. and, and conversation that so many of the tools that are what you need for a, a robust to even show them. Are, are are not available, and so it does feel like it's reduced down to what you, I love your slide of like love and agreement is not equating, but you're kind of you're 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 not left with much else to try mm. to signal I do love you. You know mm. you're not you're you're left with so many few choices to try to say how do I signal to you? I mean maybe that's part of it is like well, what else can happen here mm. that can signal to somebody I care about you. I think you're uh, you know. A full person with dignity and value. You know what else is going on in the room? I mean, I love here because you can at least like bring a cup of tea to someone. Like I don't have any words. I don't know what else to do, but like I have that opportunity to do this. To mm. Whatever that might be. You know, is there anything else that can happen in this room um, that can signal this that you're valuable and there's care. And maybe that's what's hard about that sort of topics is we get so focused on them that they think, ah, like, there's nothing else I can do but kind of stepping back and thinking, okay, where else is there an opportunity hmm. to, to signal care in any way? Um, you know, it's very difficult. It's a skill in communication, isn't it? That's a special skill. Yeah. I wonder if even when, it, when it's starting on a point of disagreement, maybe even inviting care from them and, and and show that I think that's a part of if you're trying to show that I'm here for you, I you know, also maybe need something back from you. So it might be I don't know, maybe especially in like one time encounters it may be difficult to show a person, you know, reach out with providing something, but I don't know, maybe in some circumstances it might be easier to invite something as a, as a chance of showing, like, hey, I'm, I want this connection. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talked a, a bit about tone, and I think tone of voice is, uh, is highly underrated. Mm. Um, and, um, Do I think Perhaps it's, a, it's an old-fashioned value now, but to, you know, to be uh, very kind of humble in the way that you speak with somebody or, or uh, and have somebody in mind who, who I think can have conversations with people very, very different. And a lot has to do with this tone, which, um, which is non-threatening and quite open. So, yeah. Tone is so multi-layered.
things that uh, I'm interested in you, I'm open to you, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm. I'd agree. Strikes me that, like, in both, both of those comments, there's like a, a, a position of kind of a. One of the tricks in that scenario is that, in one way, that person is quite a vulnerable. You're both in quite vulnerable positions, actually. Mm-hmm. But then, and so, making yourself softer, more vulnerable, more kind of. And getting out of it, you're saying kind of like fear. We all know that like the two main responses are either kind of attack or flee. And, and, and if you're kind of tense, if everything in you is tense and worried, that, that comes across. And how, how can we kind of soften the space and the scenario and, and make room and make sure we're doing everything we can to not feel like we're in, yeah, we look like something that's going to attack or harm mm. somebody else. Showing a weakness, a need. I have needs too. I have weakness in your tone, in your posture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that can be, yeah, soften things. Yeah. Well, it could be about. Um, I think orientation is really helpful. So, like, if you, <coughs> if you've really, I mean, perfect love rules out all fear. Mm. So that's you know you you. It's the. Honestly, it's probably it's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and strength. It's that sort of you you aim up at the best, mm-hmm. and you love your neighbour as yourself, whilst also having that knowledge. And so, you, I think that probably provides a a good grounding for for approaching something like that. Now it's a bit vague, <laughs> but. Um, but Concretely, what do I do? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's complicated because people have different theologies regarding that. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think it probably would help most people. Mm-hmm. To consider those two things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess within that, loving your neighbor as yourself is, is helpful. Well, how, if I'm, if I'm in a position to put myself in their shoes what would I like to have said to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I also think maybe it's, it's um, not doing that at the price of what's good. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're not always going to agree. And sometimes it can result in, you know, it depends what you want to keep. Is it, is it your relationship to, again, theologically, you could have a different opinion, but your relationship to God, um, or is it your relationship to them? And sometimes, mm-hmm. even if you try your absolute best, you cannot maintain that. So it is an important thing to consider when one should maybe maybe stop, um, even if it's, you know, it doesn't quite align with, you know, the whole sort of, um, you know, agreement thing. And sometimes that person rejects you when you have your values, and so you fundamentally don't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. I guess in, yeah, in when I think about what would I like have on me, I think, maybe I have to think about how I think about this, but uh, I think about it as 
within, because I, I know this is the position I hold, even when I put myself in that other person's shoes, I'm still maintaining, I don't, I, I'm the kind of, for example, I'm the kind of person in this situation that I really value when someone is able to tell me the truth. I might kick and scream, but I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna be like, I really respect that person and I know that when I need to hear the truth, I'm gonna ask that person and not the other people who are like, that was great, when it actually was really bad. So when, I, when I'm thinking about what would I have, what would I like, what would I have done to me, it kind of includes the fact that I, I'm still holding that I'm not of that person's opinion or I do have that disagreement, but how would I like to have that interaction provided or with, with, the, with the understanding that there is that disagreement? I, do, I, I don't well, know if that's... I, I just, I think there's, you know, there's sometimes people have very different views and, you know, those, those, usually that break comes like, you know, Nazi Germany, for instance. Like you, if you were to be a good person, seen in this current culture, mm. you would reject that. The majority of people didn't, um, and it's you know you would have to if you had a family member who was very involved in that sort of ideology and that idea, um, you would have to thoroughly disagree with them, um, and that sort of thing has a has a. Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not making any references to any current ideas. I think it's not quite that extreme yet. Mm. But, it's, quite, um, it's quite difficult when you have that moment where you, you feel like the line to draw to maintain yes, integrity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's um, difficult. It's yeah. difficult for yeah. everyone, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big question. It is. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking in, in regards to that question or other topics that came up. And again, the, the, whole, the whole talk, we've got a great quadrant to work with. And, um, I was interested to think about which were the easiest ones for me and, and that. So I'm just thinking back to the whole talk. Is there any other questions that we have? There's a friend. Yes. Yes. Now, those two stories, that Falani woman mm -hmm. and Hussey. Hussey is the maid or the whatever she is in attendance with the queen. Mm -hmm. She's not a person that goes and says, how are you? And, or, you know, she was trying to have a conversation with the lady by saying, oh, where do you come from? That hussy woman, she works for charity, and she should have realized, well, what's, what's wrong with their saying, oh, I come from Honolulu, or I come from Zimbabwe? I mean, she was only asking her that question, but you could see that she really didn't want to be bothered to ask or answer the woman that asked the question. And it's the same with Meghan and Harry. The Queen, um, the William's wife, and the King said, I wonder what colour her hair is going to be, and what colour her skin is going to be. Well, that, to me, is only natural. There's nothing wrong with that. But they give an, an interview with the uh, woman in America, mm -hmm. and they say we're racist because we, you know, I guess it's, it's things hard, yeah. like that. It's hard because we have very... It's consequences of what you're saying to people yeah. as well that is yeah. important. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot mm. to be said about those two, two things. I think that what you're saying is true. I think it, as you said, it's the consequences of what you say yes. that sometimes, you know, I might say something. Um, I will give you an example. 
of something where I really didn't understand what someone said. It happened a couple of weeks ago, and I'm part of this uh, club, Toastmasters, I don't know if you know it, but public speaking club. And um, for reasons I won't go into, we did our Toastmasters club outside in December. And it was very, very cold. And at the end of it, um, someone posted on a, someone posted on the chat um, something to do with, like, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quote it right, but basically, he said something, um, oh yeah, it was so cold, even the brass monkey left early, and basically, <laughs> the, so there was someone who was part of the committee who's, I don't, I think he's from the Ivory Coast, but he's a black guy, and I was like, I really don't, I don't think that guy meant anything, like, untoward, like, that's not how I know him. <laughs> So I sent him a message and I was like, I don't really think that should be on the chat. I don't know if you have a joke with this guy. And he said, a brass monkey just refers to when it's really cold. And that's just like a British, expression, a British expression. I get that you're not British, so you didn't get it. But it, it's just to your point about the consequences of what someone says. If you're not on the same wavelength as to what it means, it can really fly over someone's head. And I don't consider myself to be someone who jumps on every opportunity to be like, oh, that's racist, or that's whatever. But I really was like, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of shocking. But, but it's just because I just didn't know the expression. So to your point about potentially what color hair someone's going to have or that kind of thing, sometimes you don't know if someone's going to be sensitive to that kind of thing. But I think it's helpful if someone says, Actually, for whatever reason, take race out of it, take whatever. Everybody has a story that we just don't know about. So some, you could mention that something is red and think that it's totally unharmful. And someone says, when you say the color red, it takes me back to my, my childhood. I didn't know. But now that I know. But it's just important. If we care about other people, then we really just, it doesn't have to be a race thing, doesn't have to be a gender thing. It's just a, it's just a you thing. Okay, well, that's not what I intended by it. Help me understand, help me do better, help me, you know. Mm. And that's something that's like, you can like go along with it to make that person feel more comfortable, but is doing that compromising or uh, approving of it, you know? Mm. So where's that, that balance between getting to know someone and having a m mature conversation um, while still not like, Mm. I think in a relationship with that person or, you know, um, in one where you actually get to form a relationship rather than like one isolated point in time where you just have to um, 
say whatever pronoun. I think in that context, if we are talking about relationship, then I think the kind of relationship I want to engage in is where I matter, but you matter too. You matter, but I matter too. So if I'm engaging with you and you're allowed to be 100% you, and if you want to be in a relationship with me who I want to be 100% me, then I'm going to let you know how things are for me. And if my attempt in letting you know how things are for me is a problem, then I guess that says that maybe a relationship with me is not what you would like, which is probably going to be hard for me. Maybe by that point, the person's already 100 miles away. I don't know. But um, I think that maybe the start, if we both matter, then I, I can say whether it looks like um, I'm being hateful or not, I'm, I'm very certain that this is not hate. I know it's not hate. I'm going to try and find words to show you that it's not hate. But if you're interested in a relationship with me, then I'm going to try and use words that show you that we're, I'm 100% I'm, I'm, I'm committed to us being like this, not one where it's like this and I'm going to hit anything that you say and not one where I say, well, I know you want to be called this, but I just want to call you this. Well, it's, that's not really what it is, but I do want to be, um, I don't want to betray myself on account of this relationship. If that's okay with both of us, then I think we can have a relationship. desire not to betray yourself or not to betray even um, what he said earlier about um, maybe betraying God uh -huh. um, can morph into pride sometimes and can morph into um, an unwillingness to to maybe be wrong mm -hmm. or um, I don't know yeah I, I I, I know some people, and I think I have been the person sometimes, mm. who can become so um, obsessed with making sure that they're right in the eyes of God or mm. making sure that they are um, being loyal to their principles that actually that almost becomes an idol um, and removes humility from the equation. 100% agree. <laughs> I don't know if it was a question, but I agree with what you said. Uh, yeah, it's something... Well, I didn't, I didn't include it, but it was in that um, fear and disagreement part. That's like a whole thing. Well, actually, um, the things that I kind of stomp my feet down, it's like, well, this thing I don't agree on. If we, if we dig a little, it's really, well, I, I fear getting close to you because I don't, I don't, I don't want to get close to this, this ideology that you have 
because I want to make sure that I'm here because here is where I'm safe and I'm right and, I'm, and things are good and I'm not asking myself questions and that's the safe place. Um, and you're threatening that and I don't like that. And uh, I think, yeah, we, we do have, um, yeah, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of arrogance and pride there, I agree. Um, on that same trip to New York, <laughs> where uh, my friend told me about the Supreme Court of Justice, I, I went to see another friend, uh, and we were talking about this. I don't remember how it came up, but I think I was talking about, well, you know, um, something about disagreement with the Supreme Court's ruling, and my friend just looked at me and he said, but have you ever, like, have you ever, I think what he said was, well, have you ever been attracted to someone of the same sex? And basically I said, well, no. And it was the first time that I was considering that this, like, what if this were my actual reality? It's never been my reality. So to, to come at the question with like, well, this is what God says, and I, I still believe that's the case, but it's one thing to come at it from a theoretical standpoint, and it's another to come at it from a, if this was genuinely me, and I genuinely loved God, and I, um, this was the way I felt about um, the same sex, how would I, how would I be interacting with people? What would my life look like? And from that point on, in my thinking about the issue, I realized, well, it, I can't just think about it as a, well, this is a theoretical thing, and this is the answer, and this is what you should be doing, because that's not people's reality. So anyway, just to your point, I, I agree. We are, we are it's 9.30. Uh, Half nine. This is really wonderful. I, I say I, I, you mentioned a couple times courage and character, and I, I just appreciate. It. I feel like you've really kind of taken these questions, a lot of hard topics, and shown kind of practiced what you were preaching here as well. So thank you. This is yes. wonderful. <laughs> so I